0: I scraped off all of the bark and then cut into it thumb-sized divots, about six of them. Okay. And then with the other half of the stick, scrape the bark. And the way this works is you stick a sharp end of the stick with the divots in the ground. And then you rub the other stick up and down the divots. So it v- makes a vibration that mm-hmm. apparently mimics what moles sound like underground. And so the worms just come to the surface.
1: That's so really we cool. Did
0: wow. this and it worked and uh, first of all the look my girlfriend gave me when this actually worked was just like are you a wizard <laughs> uh, but, you know it's just like a bunch of free words for our behavior uh, Welcome to episode number 78 of The Memory Jar. As always, we are here to remember the cards, the decks, the people, and the stories that make magic the game we love. I'm David Prestwood, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Christian Wright. Christian, how are you
1: doing? I'm doing well. I am super jazzed for this long weekend, because currently, wink, wink, I am at a conference, and so I'm excited to come home, go to a baseball game, and then just play EDH for the whole weekend. Super pumped.
0: All right, sounds good. I have been drafting a lot of Streets of New Capenna. Now the quick draft is out, so I'm trying to see if the bots have figured out that Brokers is the broken deck, and uh, so far they have not, so just racking up a bunch of free wins. But we're not talking about Streets of New Capenna today. That was last time. Today we are doing one of our Signature Spellbook series, and joining us today for our Signature Spellbook is John Carson, who is an Associate Editor at Game Informer. John, how are you doing? I'm great.
2: Happy to be here. It's great to see you always, David. Christian, very nice to meet you and uh, and see you in person virtually,
1: I guess. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it counts.
0: It counts now. Virtually in person is the best we can hope for in the year of our Lord 2022. It's
2: That's it's cool. how I live my life.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Trust me. I think we all live our lives like that now. <laughs> um, it's weird to see real people. I feel like I'm in a sim- simulation and I don't want to live that Matrix life in 2022. So. Well, John and I met
0: in person-person back when that was a thing at our friendly local game store, Lodestone Coffee and Games here in Minnesota. And we became Wednesday night draft friends. They were running a draft every Wednesday night, which I used to frequent. Uh, we recently got to reconnect after the pandemic at the a pre-release of all things. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> and John explained now he's an associate editor at Game Informer and Little did I know that John Carson, whose articles I had been reading, was this guy. It was John. John from Lodestone. And so, yeah. Amazing. So we uh, we reconnected and I said, you know, you should come on the podcast. And since you cover magic, among many other things for Game Informer, let's talk about it. So can you tell us a little bit about your gig and what you've been up to?
2: Yeah. So uh, I work for mostly the online side of Game Informer. We do have a magazine as well. So he could still get a physical magazine of Game Informer shipped to your to your house. And uh, you could read my words physically. But yeah, 2022? I, I read too. In 2022, it's one of the, the few <laughs> magazines that's still going. Uh, oh, we, we have a pretty large uh, reader base. So uh, okay. it's still kicking. GameStop still lets us do that. That's our parent company. So uh, as long as they still let us send it out, we will keep making it. So yeah, I, I, I write about games. I do news. I do previews, reviews. Like David said, I, I do the magic content for Game Informer as well. Uh, which is more my choice than anyone else's. And uh, I kind of force it onto the website wherever I can. And so doing that, I've gotten to do a few things I never thought I'd do, which is like preview some cards. I do like preview events for each set now so I can write up whatever the the news is for that new set. I have something I need to write up tonight for tomorrow, which you will (laughs) all know already uh, by the time this comes out.
1: But, no, it's uh, yeah, it's already come out. That's the, yeah, yeah, the, the, we're totally yeah. recording this in the future. <laughs> exactly, exactly. David and
2: I met at, at Lodestone in 2017, I want to say. It was uh Sounds about right. It was like a week or two after Cat released, and that mm-hmm. was kind of my first real set as a magic player. I decided that I wanted to learn how to play the game and went to Lodestone to draft for the first time and David was my uh first or second opponent and you were so nice to me and welcoming and you helped me sculpt my deck a bit and uh for the next few weeks after that we just chatted it up and compared decks and yeah uh you you are i would say the reason why I I'm still with magic today because oh, like awesome. so, so that... someone was there to like put their arm around me and like show me a little bit more
0: that is uh, heartwarming don't yes. tell anyone that I'm a secret softy <laughs> and a friendly person. Um, and and here you are now. You know you're writing about magic and you're previewing cards. You got to preview Venom Connoisseur for Streets of New Capenna. Nice yes. little two drop that gets Death Touch and gives all your friends Death Touch. And that's serious business. That's so cool.
2: Yeah, it's very exciting. I definitely don't hold any any of this for granted. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm super lucky to be where I'm at and being able to do what I'm doing. Worked a pretty long time to get here. So yeah, I'm just yeah. excited to to be where I'm at.
0: Well, and as a native Minnesotan, I remember when Game Informer was like a six page publication put out by the video game store Funko Land. Yes. Which was based here in Minnesota. And then it grew beyond the boundaries of Funko Land, which no longer exists. And so to kind of reconnect with uh with this now is is fun for me. And we uh, still
2: have people who work there that, that were there at that time. That's, that's wild. Amazing. That's
0: where uh, my little brother won a Sega Genesis from Kraft Handy Snacks. Oh, wow. When we were kids. We weren't allowed to have video games, but then he won this contest. And so we got a Genesis. And I remember we played some games. It was great. And then we eventually traded it at my local Funko Land for a Super Nintendo. Uh-huh. And then it, it like took off, and now yeah. I'm just a degenerate nerd. Uh, full force <laughs> that's the origin story yeah i love it yeah well before we get into john's signature spell book like we always do why don't we hit the random card button on scryfall or as we call it let's crack open the memory jar this one is an interesting one this is jasmine boreal so jasmine was an uncommon from legends three white green for a four five human that's it she's got flavor text Peace must prevail, even if the wicked must die. Pretty nice Richard Kane Ferguson art. Oh, yeah. Always here for RKF. But yeah, this is a vanilla 4-5 for five mana. It's a legend. Come on. Okay, sorry. It's a legendary 4-5 for five mana. So if you are drafting legends for some reason, not designed to be a draftable set, uh, make
1: sure you don't load up on these. (laughs) I will, for the record, say that the most expensive version of this is not from legends. It's the foil time shifted version, which is the only vanilla Legends you can get in foil, period. So there you go. Interesting. And how much is that? Seven dollars. Oh, okay. I've got that much. Pretty serious. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you
0: know. Yeah, I wonder why they reprinted this in uh, Time Spiral as a time shifted card, just because they wanted something from Legends and wanted it to be as basic as possible. Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Wouldn't <laughs> be too powerful. Also, what what? So you have to understand, well, really super quick thing with t- with time shift is that every single pack had a time shifted card. So you're guaranteed to get one and have at least three that you open in every draft. So the question is, do you put Mana Drain in that? Because I don't think you could put Mana Drain as much as I would love to see that. <laughs> and then what other Legends card is there? <laughs> I would suggest there's like a little bit of room between Mana
0: Drain and Jasmine Boreal.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's... um. There's Arena of the Ancients, I think. Oh. You know, you can put that in. I don't know. Oh, no, so that's reserve listed. My apologies.
0: I did look this up. And apparently, Jasmine was a character in the Legends 1 cycle of books. She appeared in the second book as some kind of warrior druid and was a member of Jenet OJannon's group, the Rabaran mercenaries. And they all faced uh, Shoku Enbringer, who people will know from his card, yeah. Shoku Enbringer, yeah. in the climax of the novel and uh did she survive is the big question and i don't
1: actually know um i'm glad you did that research because all i know is that this was a player character for one of the designers of legends so that's okay it. every single legend in legends was part of their D campaign
2: well that's uh i'm glad they brought that to the world sorry did jasmine have no spells in that dnd campaign like did she <laughs> is she just there
1: she was a i'm gonna pull up the with the with her official classes. Well, in the original legend, she's a legend. In Time Spiral, she was a human. So at least they yeah, identified exactly. her as a human. And that's it. She's just a legendary human. She's not been eroded with a class. She's a single
0: class fighter with no subclass, no other information. She just has a sword and a shield and she's going to town. Perfect. It looks like she has throwing stars. Yes. Uh, yeah, that is kind of interesting. Art. Uh, in modern magic, that should mean she has reach or first strike, presumably. It's not very peaceful. If you look at no. her flavor text, well, it's you know to be she, all about peace. That's true, but peace must prevail, even if the wicked must die. <laughs> fair, and sometimes fair, the wicked fair. must die via <laughs> throwing stars.
1: She was like the OG um, peacemaker, I guess so.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this raises the question: Hey gang, what's your favorite five mana four or five?
1: There's a lot of five mana four fives out there. So I'll, I'll start with this. I'm going to go with Slogger because that's a Arkslogger. throwback classic. And Arkslogger, man, doesn't get enough love these days. It was a powerhouse back in the day. Okay. Are you going to read it for us? Oh, yeah, sure. Are
0: you going to make, gonna make is... everybody remember
1: Arkslogger? I this want it just to. another vanilla 4-5? No, no, no. So, uh, yeah, I wish, right? No, Arkslogger is 3 red red for a 4-5, obviously, beast. It has red exile, the top 10 cards of your library. Arkslogger deals 2 damage to any target. The reason this was a powerhouse was it was in one of the few decks that actually beat Affinity back in the mirrored in dark hole times yeah
0: that's a lot of direct damage i suppose if you could just nug them for a few at the end of the game all the cards in your deck suck so
1: who cares if you remove 10 it's fine nice how about you john
2: uh for me i'm pretty de- degenerate here i'm gonna go with yorian sky nomad uh <laughs> that's a good, <laughs> good four five <laughs> it's, it's pretty good uh it is three azorius azorius For a 4-5 companion, Uh, so this can be in your sideboard. You can draw it into your hand for 3 generic mana uh, at any point that uh, you can cast a uh, sorcery. It has flying, but when it enters the battlefield, exile any number of non-land permanents you own and control. Return those cards to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. So,
0: blank your board and reap the benefits.
2: Yarian's pretty sweet.
0: Yeah, it says a lot about the companion mechanic that even with the errata, Yorian is just an archetype. Mm-hmm. you know originally the yeah. companion rule was just that you could have it in your sideboard if you met the condition and then just play it from your sideboard. Now you have to pay three to put it in your hand and then cast it. yeah and it's still like busted.
1: I love that there was one of the designers on akoria was like, you know what we're gonna prove the, the paradigm that you have to have a 60 card deck wrong and I'm going to make you be able to have a 4-5 five for 5 that you could cast at any point as long as you have at least some amount of cards more than 16 in your deck. And they were like, you're crazy. And it turns out they were right. Yeah. Who knew that you could have an 80-90 card deck and still be yeah. fine?
2: It's still consistent. Like, yeah, you just fill it with whatever lands you need and whatever other spells that you want, and it's still going to perform.
1: Oh, yeah. Even if you're only blinking, like... An abundant growth. I've done that before. It's sad, but you know what? I said at four or five that it wasn't in my hand the entire game, so I'll take it. Fun fact: Yorian, the
0: only bird serpent in magic. Note that yeah. it is a serpent for the things that care about serpents, of which there are a number. I mean, if you really wanted to, you could sacrifice it to Coma Cosmos Serpent to tap sure. a permanent that or give it a, indestructible. That is a thing you could do. Would, yeah. would you bounce a coma with Yorian? Ooh, interesting question. Ooh. I guess if it's locked down with something, uh, Sure, yeah, I guess that's, that's yeah. really the only reason. All right, well, longtime listeners of the podcast will know what my 4-5 is. It's Nessian Asp. Definitely not the best, but just totally my jam. Nessian Asp was a common from Theros. It was 4 and a green for a 4-5 snake with reach, and you could pay 6 and a green, and it had monstrosity 4. So you would put 4 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it for 7 mana and have an 8-9 reach.
1: Naspian Asp slaps. I was really not totally sad, but you were going to take my choice. So I had to find an alternative. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much.
0: There's <laughs> just something about the Asp. that really does
1: it for me. All right. That's a lot of time on
0: Jasmine Boreal and Vanilla 4.5s. So let's talk about our topic for today. So following on Wizards of the Coast 2018 release of the eight-card supplemental product Signature Spellbook Jace... By the way, we haven't had a lot of signature spellbooks. I'm wondering if these are coming back. At some point.
1: <laughs> yeah, this this made a lot more sense when we made these in 2018. We have a possible out here. We can rebrand this to Secret Layer. Oh my oh. gosh, that's so good! So this is still your signature Spellbooks slash Secret Layer. Think about us; we're all going to pay 40 bucks to get copies of these cards as uh, non foils. <laughs> so you know that's,
2: that's pretty good. But you have to send out this podcast like four months from now
0: that's true that's true we'll record it and then then you'll actually get to hear it a long time from now and we'll put a little bonus podcast in the end but we won't tell you what it is but ahead of yeah i like it it's a nice little treat
1: i'm looking forward to my uh pride month secret lair at thanksgiving so it's gonna be great to open it be like oh yeah pride was this year
2: (laughs) okay
0: (laughs) nothing goes with thanksgiving like bears as you know that's true
2: that's that's true they're all relaxing after a nice meal
1: that is oh, a very great. big meal with turkeys. <laughs> Looking forward <laughs> so to So many <laughs>
0: turkeys. So we've asked our guests to tell us the eight cards that would be in their own personal signature spellbook. They could be cards that mean something personally, cards you just love, whatever you may want. So this is our signature spellbook for John Carson. John, before we get started, are these in any particular order?
2: Yeah, they're kind of in the order of my magic career, I want to say. Oh, okay. so. Okay. Uh, kind of from the days where I began up until just a couple of months ago.
0: Well, one of the things that uh, it really interests me here is because you haven't been playing for as long as some of our previous Signature Spellbook guests, we get to talk about some recent cards. And we have certainly made a living of talking about cards from the Dark and Homelands and Portal, Three Kingdoms, Secret Lair, you know, pick uh, any number of terms. Uh, so, yeah, why don't we kick it off with your first one?
2: Yeah, uh, my first one is probably something I drafted on my very first night of of, of playing Magic. <laughs> this is Gustwalker. It is a creature. It's a human wizard for one and a white. It's a 2-2 for Mama Cat. And uh, <laughs> it says, you may exert Gustwalker as it attacks. When you do, it gets plus one, plus one, and gains flying until end of turn. This card was one of the first high performers that I ever drafted. Uh, and like it kind of like got me into the game. I'm like, I, I love the art of this. Um, I'm turning it sideways and doing cool things and, and, and swinging in and nugging someone for three. That's rad. Uh, and I'm pretty sure this card was in my deck the first game that I won. I can't see how it wasn't.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, whoever attacked with this and never exerted it, I'd like to meet that person. It's a crime. Because... It is. This was always a (laughs) (laughs) 3-3. Amonkhet
0: was a very fast format, and Gustwalker was the premier probably white common. I think a lot of people would pair white with red and just go all in aggressive. You know, We have had a lot, I think, mid-range or or slower formats lately. This was a format where not only did your two-drop matter, but the quality of your two-drop mattered because some of them would just be this 3-3 flyer. How did we, in general, like Exert as a mechanic? It, it doesn't hold
2: up, I don't think, in any other set, because Amaket had to be like built around it. So if you're throwing Exert in like a Double Masters or something, I'm pretty sure it would be just too slow, because tapping down
0: your creature for a turn is pretty brutal. It's a little bit telling, I think, that we haven't had Exert cards in any of the Supplemental products. Any of the Modern Horizon sets, for example, where they're just willing to throw in any keyword. Exert solely existed in Amonkhet. And then the twist, they gave it an Hour of Devastation where Amonkhet were only you could exert a creature when it attacked. And then Hour of Devastation gave you a lot of options as far as you tap a creature and exert it and you get some bonus. So for example, I'll give you uh, Oasis Ritualist who's a favorite of the podcast. That was three and a green for a two, four Naga Druid. You could tap for a mana of any color or you could tap and exert it and get two
1: mana out of any. I think part of the problem is that it's such a limited mechanic yeah. that mm-hmm. it isn't a coincidence that the only exert creature that saw any play was combat celebrant because you could have a lot of infinite combos around it or like you could just do ridiculous things with God Pharaoh's gift, for example, but it's really hard to make a competitive exert creature that, would be played and constructed. Like, imagine if, Oh, actually, it would have been good on Ragavan. That would sure. have balanced it. Yeah. They should have put it on Ragavan.
0: <laughs> well, I I do think you missed one. It's a big red dragon called Glorybringer. Uh, oh, yeah. Although that, well. that was as much... It's a 4-4 four, four Flying Haste, as well as you could exert it to deal 4 to a non-dragon creature that your opponent controlled. I, I
2: wouldn't know. Uh, I drafted Amonkhet probably like 30 times at Lodestone and never drafted a Glorybringer. Never had a pleasure. <laughs> never played one. Never cast one. Uh, it's always cast against me, though. <laughs> yeah, I uh,
0: I was looking back through my Amonkhet deck pictures, and mm-hmm. I found three weeks in a row where I had Glorybringer every time. One time splashed Thank in you. a green-black deck. <laughs> Why not?
2: That's, yeah, double, yeah. that's a double red, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah sure, Sure. Live the dream. So, how many? What are the most amount of Gust Walkers you had in your deck? I'd like to end on this real quick because it was one of those cards where, like, there was a definite gap between playing with casual players who who played this format versus professional players. And I imagine John having done it thirty times, you you caught on pretty quickly. It was a very aggressive format. Yeah. So, what were the most amount of Gust Walkers you had in your deck? I think I got to three. At like a GP or something, and I was so happy. I was like, "Wow, someone really doesn't like Gustwalker. I'll just take the Gustwalkers then."
2: Uh, I think it was about three or four. It, it had to be, and like I, I'm also a rookie at that time, so I found a card that I liked, and I stuck with it, and uh, <laughs> which which happened for a, for a good few months. So I wouldn't say that I, that it was pro strats at all. It was more lucking into a good card.
0: I looked back, as I mentioned, through my deck pictures, and I only found one deck that had one of them in it. So I don't think I drafted this very often. Now, that deck also had a Glory Bringer in it, as uh, you would expect, and uh, Hazaret, as well as a number of Trials and Cartouches. So that was the kind of thing I was doing in this set, was playing the Cartouches, which were creature auras that would pump the creature and then give you some extra ability. And then the Trials, you played them for an ability. And then when you played a Cartouche, you got to return the Trial to your hand. So I was doing fast things slowly, if that makes sense. Like, oh, I'm going to put my aura on this aggressive creature and buy back my thing that dealt three damage to your creature and then play that again. Um, honestly, I was more of a hoodie bee guy. Hooded Brawler was a Ooh, great oh yeah. comment in this set. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, which did something very similar. It wasn't evasive, but it was a 3-2 two for two in a green that when you exerted it, it got plus two, plus two until end of turn. So attacking with your five fours on turn four was uh, just about as effective. Yeah, I don't think there was much that was
2: blocking it on turn four.
1: Well, and the other thing is you would trade it off, right? So you'd, you exert the Gust Walker and then you exert the Hooded Brawler. Then the next turn you exert the Gust Walker, and it was just the beatdown of death. It was great. Yes. That that back and forth where both players are blindly attacking at each other <laughs> was actually
0: one of the things that made that format ridiculous.
2: Also, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you never. Got any gust walkers? I'm pretty sure that was me at the table that was taking them all.
0: <laughs> wow. I, I gave you all the advice and then you just, you took it to the next level. Uh-huh. That's it. <laughs> all right. What is your next card?
2: Yeah. Uh, my next card, we are staying on the on the plane of Amiket. And this was my first living the dream card. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I maybe successfully uh, cast it twice, like once or twice. But it's Approach of the Second Sun. Um, yes. It is a sorcery for six and one white mana. <laughs> and the card reads If Approach of the Second Sun was cast from your hand, and you've cast another spell named Approach of the Second Sun this game, you win the game. Oh, those beautiful words. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, put Approach of the Second Sun into its owner's library, seventh from the top, and you gain seven life. It was really the only life gaining card that was worth a damn in that format. <laughs> um. <laughs> 'Cause there were quite a few, it seemed, but uh Pressure the Second Sun was something that was passed to me pretty I, I wanna say in my second or third draft. I'm like, I gotta take it. We're 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 going white and we're we're gonna see where this takes us. And people said, You're nuts. That's a terrible card. And I still just shoved it in my deck. I mean it's gonna gain me seven life. I'm gonna draw it again eventually, hopefully. And uh, I'm gonna cast this again and the three or sorry, the four most beautiful words in magic, you win the game. Mm-hmm. Is on there. Maybe the most powerful words in magic. Uh, it's possible.
0: The three most beautiful words in magic for the record are draw a card.
1: Yes. Yes. So no, this this is just going draw three cards. Come on. <laughs> okay. Oh right. fair. Yes. We just don't get to see those as often. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I oscillate between whether I like this card or I don't, depending on how easy it is to actually draw it and cast it a second time. Doing yeah. it fairly yeah i couldn't kill you in seven turns that's my fault card's great someone goes like i'm gonna approach second Sun, then flashback memory deluge and then like pick it out and then cast the following turn and i'm like that's boring like come on man but i like it you know i have a pretty version from strixhaven so
0: pretty nice yeah i really like this card as you said john this is an achievement unlock situation right and and this is one of the cards that before this format As I go through and I say, what are the achievements I want to unlock? What are the ridiculous things I want to do? Was obviously at the top of the list. And I did get to do it in Amonkhet, but I actually also got to do it during Strixhaven. Mm. When I went to my one paper draft during that format and drafted a, what was Quandrix, a blue-green ramp deck. And then I, I was pretty solidly in Quandrix. And then pack two, I opened the Mystic Archive version of Approach of the Second Sun. And I said, Well, obviously, we're doing this. And I got paired with my girlfriend, who brought me actually to her closest local game store. And I am sorry to say that I did win with Approach of the Second Son. (laughs) And she was as disappointed as you could possibly imagine. (laughs) She made you walk home? She did realize that it was a ridiculous thing to open this in a set it wasn't in, and then also cast it
1: twice. So, I just want to say, welcome to my pre-release experience. I think that was a bad pre-release for me, but I think I won one match by doing that, and I had to sit and explain it on camera. I was like, nice. "So I've already cast this, and then I cast it again <laughs> three turns later." And he was like, "The guy's like, oh, wait, what? How do you win?" I'm like, "Oh, okay, it's dumb. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's just dumb. I win. It's just I Let's win." Move on. I will add that
0: one of the nice things about this card in Amonkhet is that cycling was a mechanic in Amonkhet, and so yeah. you had a way to get closer to casting it that second time if you had a bunch of cycling cards in your hand. Yeah. Seven cards down is a lot. It gives your opponent a lot of incentive to attack and, and really move in, but you know, you cycle a couple cards, you get closer to it. It feels pretty good.
2: What's that? Uh, it's, a, it's a blue card. I, th- I think it's a sorcery, but is it open into wonder? Is it that lets you cycle I, your cards for free or am I thinking of a, a different new pers- new perspectives, new perspectives. Yeah. yes. So yes, yeah, put new perspectives in your deck. Hope hope you have seven cards in hand and uh just cycle away till you get to your approach again.
0: I did see someone cast this and then almost immediately cast Compelling Argument, which makes a player put five cards from their library into their graveyard and also cycles for a single blue, which is not a card anyone should have been playing in their deck. No. But quite a combo <laughs> when that puts this on top of your library all right what's next
2: hey it's an amaket card this <laughs> is the last one promise otherwise we're gonna get heat stroke if we stay any longer uh this is regal caracal it's a cat it's a, it's a little kitty uh, actually it's multiple cats let's be real here it's uh yeah three and two white for a creature cat it's a three three it gives other cats you control plus one plus one and lifelink and when it enters the battlefield, you create two 1-1 white cat creature tokens with lifelink. So really, yeah, you are just making an entire wall of life- of lifelinking cats. Regal Caracal, A, was just great in draft. Loved picking this up whenever I could. But also went into my first standard deck that I built, which mm. was all cats. I made my almond Cat deck. and Very nice. <laughs> Very um, nice. <laughs> There, there, I actually have it right here. Found oh. my my deck. Uh, it oh. has a bunch of sacred cats in it. It has Watchers of the Dead, which is an artifact yep. creature cat. Metallic Mimics, which uh, if you squint hard enough, it says that it's every creature type, which, may, which means it's a cat.
0: Yeah, thousand percent.
2: And uh, you know, we just uh, did some overrun effects after after we <laughs> built the board with a bunch of cats. Oh, <laughs> I love uh,
0: so much that you have your your first standard deck. Sleeved up and still sitting there. <laughs> we should jam together our first standard deck sometime because That'd mine's great. just like sitting in the closet behind me.
2: That'd be yeah, beautiful. Yeah. No, I... I can't. I can't do
0: mine anymore. But that's over the there. So <laughs>
2: did you burn it? You're like this can't live.
1: No, it's from uh, Tempesters' a Saga. Oh, sure. So I don't actually physically own the cards anymore. Got um, it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I own the Morphling thanks to Dave. Yes. I played one Morphling. But, like, I'm pretty sure I'd, I'd have to go through and figure out if I could, like, find Frantic searches, for example. No I'm for sure. pretty sure no one would want to play against that deck. No one did back in the day either. It was good. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yep, so that's it's... what I thought.
0: David, what, what is your first standard deck? Mine was from Theros Block. It was uh, after Born of the Gods had come out. And it was designed to dump as many cards in your graveyard as possible with Seder Wayfinder and Commune with the Gods. And then play Nemesis of Mortals. Mm-hmm. Which was a five five uh, for just green green because it got cheaper for creatures in your graveyard, and then use its monstrosity ability to make it a ten ten, and then either with Herald of Torment give it flying, or play the original Ronus to give all your creatures trample and just bash with some giant monster. It's pretty nice. Love it. So Regal Caracal, you had a cat deck. Yeah, we were talking before the show about Chris's cat. Are,
1: are we cat guys here? Is this cat guy podcast now?
0: Because yes. I'm, I'm kind of out. Yes.
1: Oh. Yep. I'm a, i am have I'm a cat wondering. dad shirt. Come
0: on. Oh. I have
2: cat hair probably on my shirt right now. So
1: yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. I am. Uh,
0: I am reasonably allergic to cats. Same. And okay. so I get asked a lot. Um. Is you don't like cats because you're allergic? And I'm like, no, I didn't like cats long before I knew I was allergic to them. <laughs> uh, that's just like, uh, of course I'm allergic to them. It's so maybe if we play with the cat deck, it'll help me out.
2: There you go. So actually, I have a, a very quick story about my cat and magic. Uh, it Ooh, was yes, probably like a week before I started drafting. Uh, I went to <laughs> went to the game store and picked up some Ether Revolt packs because I'm like oh, I'm gonna want to start playing Magic. I'll buy some I'll buy some cards and see what's up. And out of like the six packs that I bought was a invention. So pulled an invention on like my first set of cards there, and it was a paradox engine. Oh. Really nice looking, very excited about it. (laughs) Looked at like TCG player and it's like, oh, this is worth some money. Got to take it home and and, and put it in a safe place. I put it into a shoebox with some like old Pokemon cards and put it on the coffee table. And I leave the room for like two hours and I come back and it's sitting chewed up on the table. Because my six month old cat opened up the shoebox and picked out that card specifically and (laughs) destroyed it. (laughs) And somehow I still played Magic after that, so... Uh,
0: One question, do you still Uh have it? I do, actually. Okay, second question, Uh and I meant the card, by the way, not the cat. Uh, Uh, Both, both, yes, they both
2: exist in my... The second question
0: is, are you sure you're a cat owner because you decided that, (laughs) quote, a safe place, end quote, (laughs) was a shoebox that you put in the middle of a coffee table?
2: (laughs) I didn't know that was a thing that she would do until that very moment. Um and now and now so I have like one of those big like white boxes for cards and she will to this day try to get into that thing mm-hmm. and, and dig at some cards. So it's built into her DNA. She has to destroy magic.
0: Is it a situation where you can just give her some magic cards that she can like chew on and then she won't go for the other ones?
2: Why would I teach her to destroy magic cards? I
0: think
1: she <laughs> already <it's>... knows. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say
0: like just throw some draft chaff, like you know. <laughs>
1: She has expensive
0: taste. That's fair. 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 So back to Regal Caracol itself. Because it gives plus one, plus one to other cats, that's seven, seven worth of power and toughness. Four of it lifelink for five mana. I mean, that is just like an incredible value for the cost. Are there any other favorites that come with great value across multiple bodies that you guys are into? For me, the key for Regal Caracol is the tokens aren't one-ones because of its ability. And that makes me think of like Tristani Discordant, which was a favorite of mine. True. That was the one from Guilds of Ramnica. It's three green, white for a one-four legendary dryad, and all your other creatures get plus one, plus one. But it comes with two one-one white soldier creature tokens with lifelink, and then it also has this very annoying text for commander that at the beginning grants up each player gains control of all creatures they own. um I really liked that card, but also possibly just diagraph Horde from Midnight Hunt. The like. Five and a three four that comes with two 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 zombies for some reason and exiles cards from graveyards. You know, both just like heavy mythic bombs, or maybe one of them was
1: a common. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, while you're thinking, John, I'm going to yeah. go with the the original goat for this, which is the inspiration for all these, is Cloud Goat Ranger. Uh, mm-hmm. Cloud Goat Rangers from Lorwyn. It's three white white for a three three giant warrior. When it enters the battlefield, it puts three one one white Kithkin soldier tokens into play and you could tap three untapped Kithkin you control to give it plus two, plus zero, and flying until end of turn. This was a bomb in Loreman Draft. Always been one of my favorites.
2: Uh, I'll go pretty recent, and it's going to be from Midnight uh, Hunt. Okay. Uh, it's Tovalar's Huntmaster. Uh,
1: <laughs> First
2: you know, six, 6 that drops two 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 green wolves onto the battlefield, and uh, if it's transformed and it attacks, it drops two more. It just keeps coming.
1: Uh, uh,
0: yeah, w- nice uh, n- nice Winota target. Kind of glad they <laughs> kicked Winota out of Explorer, let me say, just say that.
1: Yes. I will say, I think because Cloud Grunt Ranger was an uncommon, all of these other Cloud Grunt Ranger type cards are at least rare, because uh, this is pretty dumb to make a creature that has two tokens attached to it, or at least... Yeah, Cloud Grunt Ranger had three. Like, other than yeah. release the
0: dogs from Jumpstart, which was the, like, Three and a white sorcery that made four one one dog tokens. It's hard to think of like a four or five mana thing that gives you four bodies
1: at uncommon. Welcome to older magic. <laughs> <laughs> what do what do we got lined up after Regal caracal? Yeah,
2: uh, next up we are moving to the exotic land of Dominaria, uh, and this is maybe my favorite planeswalker of all time uh this is karn scion of urza it's uh four generic mana for a legendary planeswalker karn at five loyalty if you plus one him you reveal the top two cards of your library an opponent chooses one of them put that card into your hand and exile the other with a silver counter on it if you minus one you get to put one of those cards with a silver counter into your hand and then if you minus two karn you create a zero zero colorless construct artifact creature token with this creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control. This is just a value engine and it went into like basically every deck that I built, uh, whenever it was, uh, in standard, I mean, it's colorless, it draws cards, it makes defenders. It's, it was just constantly there for me for two years, uh, on arena and, uh, Yeah, Karn's just a house. I love it. And really went towards my obsession of building artifact decks for for a little (laughs) bit after Dominaria
1: came out. Yeah, your full artifact. You're casting Mycosynth Lattices. You're casting (laughs) Darksteel Forges. I don't don't go that far.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Other Karn. Other Karns. (laughs) Yeah, this Karn was incredibly dumb. Just an amazing value engine. And I remember when it came out, people were like, well, it doesn't really protect itself because it just makes this, like, 1-1 one, one, probably, and it's like, yeah, but you just plus it and you get a card and it's at 6 loyalty. Mm-hmm. Like, what mm-hmm. what do you do? Um, this is the first appearance of that zero zero construct that also appears oh. on notable, totally fair cards, Urza, Lord High, Artificer, and Urza Saga, which of course makes sense because Karn was created by Urza and
1: then inherited Urza's spark. Yep. Well, and not just a spark, is. Wasn't his head in his body for a little bit? I can't remember. It was dumb. Urza's head has gotten around. Yeah, I'm not
0: quite sure of all the, the lore <laughs> that, that, that behind that his head. Yeah. Weak in a
2: Bernie situation.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. I guess I should mention that there's a card from Commander 2021 Dig Site Engineer that also makes these, but that's a white card and it doesn't really like fit the story. So I'm just going to kind of skip that. I mean, maybe they're digging up like Urza's stuff. So he that's just fine. overheard
2: Urza talking about these constructs one day. He's like, all right. <laughs> I'm going to make these bootlegs.
0: Yeah. yeah, like, going to be it. just as good. No, I, I'm with you. I love this card. I tried to put it in every deck I could I could for its entire existence and standard.
1: I do love that the Karn's arc, and we're going to see the end of it in Dominator United, which was recently announced. But he started like as a lovable pacifist silver giant where you're like, oh, Karn, you should like punch a person. But he doesn't. No violence in Karn's heart. Um, yeah, he's literally he on like, pacifism. Yeah, literally on pacifism, and then like by the t- end of apocalypse, he's part of the leg. He is part of the legacy weapons, so he's a reluctant weapon slash warrior. And then he got captured by the Phyrexians and driven insane, and now he just hates Phyrexians unconditionally. So you know, it's a hell of an arc. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing more pacifistic,
2: if that's a word, uh, than microsynth latt- latticing everything, and then using the other Karn to basically keep anybody from doing anything ever.
0: Yeah.
1: Number one, that is a word. And number two, I agree wholeheartedly. Yep. I I did that for a while. It was not fun. It was always great to explain to people who were not aware of that combo about what just happened in the game. I refuse. (laughs) Everyone's playing Oko.
2: That's my defense. That's fair. I played in Oko yesterday and had people boo me.
0: That's fair. Yeah. (laughs) It's the Oko defense. (laughs) All right. What's next on your list? Yeah. uh,
2: Next, we, we are also sticking with Big Metal Creatures from Dominaria. This is a legendary artifact creature for four mana called Traxos, Scourge of Krug. It's a 7-7 trample creature. And the card reads, Traxos, Scourge of Krug, enters the battlefield tapped and doesn't untap during your untap step. But whenever you cast a historic spell, untap Traxos. And a historic spell, of course, are artifacts, legendary creatures, or legendary spells. I guess there were legendary sorceries in this Mm -hmm. Uh, And Sakas are are historic. This was my pet creature card around that time for Standard. So a lot of it was put in four Traxos, put in Voltaic Servants, which untap uh, artifacts at the end of turn. So I had a big 7-7 blocker every turn, and and it was ready to attack whenever it needed to. I think I, I would call the deck Mono Blue Stompy, because I would just have card draw effects that I would put onto them like Curious Obsession or oars that would make him fly. Uh, Basically anything to get Traxxas to swing in. When Steel Overseer came to standard you bet those were going into that deck and uh, (laughs) making Traxxas even bigger. uh, And also untapping him.
0: Oh yeah. I forgot until we talked about this that sagas are historic. Yeah, sure are. Sure. I mean, that's the whole thing. By definition, they are stories of the past. They are.
1: Are we we going to see work again in dominaria united you think i feel like you have to at this point you could
2: if not then the brothers war which is retelling the stories of the past once again seems like
0: a, a great possibility i really liked this card there were some great moments of tension in dominaria draft when this was played and i've always think about this because i feel like my opponent always had this card and i never did but it was always the debate of do they have it they play this it enters tapped. It's like, do they have an artifact or a legendary or a saga? And the answer was always yes, because they were my opponent. So, you know, I yeah. got bashed. But that moment of tension was really cool gameplay.
2: I mean, I, I, I'm i trying to think of how many times I actually drafted this card. Um, because I I feel like enough people at the game shop told me that it probably wasn't good. I probably shouldn't play it because it's going to be tapped the whole time. No. But also, that could have just been people trying to convince me so I
0: wouldn't beat them. There's some cool history behind this card. Traxos was a dragon engine. And mm-hmm. This is a reference to oh. a card from Antiquities, which cool. was dragon three Man. generic mana for a 1 3 artifact creature construct that you could pay two for fire breathing. It would get plus 1 plus 0 until the end of turn. And I love the flavor text because it ties in. It's those who believe the city of Krug would never fall to Mishra's forces severely underestimated the might of his war machines. Well, guess what? Scourge of Krug is one of Mishra's war machines that was turned on again during the Dominaria block. It's Traxos.
1: Ah! For the record, in the Brothers War book, the Dragon Engine are much fiercer than they came about in the printed version. They were it's more like a-
0: Traxos than Dragon Engine?
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. And I recommend if you could find a copy of the Brothers War... It's one of the few good magic books. And at least from what I remember as a 12, 12, 13 year old who read it. And um, they, yeah, it's dragon. It's are terrifying, like the yeah. whole brother's war, just absolutely terrifying. Like this was actually a lot worse than it comes across in the antiquities. Well, obviously, I mean, look at the antiquities card,
0: Mishra's war machine. Just look at the art for Mishra's war machine. Okay. I remember this card. It's a seven mana five, five with banding. It's a juggernaut. Uh-huh. During your upkeep, you had to discard a card or it would become tapped and deal three damage to you. But the art is like the least threatening. It's like a (laughs) Trojan horse. If instead of a horse, it was like the top of a library.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, that's just the antiquities charm right there, you know? And
0: then you look at Traxos and Traxos is legitimately terrifying. So we've come a long way in the art and we're going to see some good stuff in their Brothers War.
1: I will say they did a much better job about portraying the menace of it in Urza Saga than they did in Antiquity. So if you ever want to go through the Urza Saga card list, they definitely did a much better job of just kind of demonstrating how terrifying the Brothers War actually was at the end of the day. So All right. What is number six on the list? Number
2: six uh is our our final card from Dominaria. Uh this was another another pet card. Uh I would draft it. As, as much as I could. It's another artifact. Surprise. And it would it would trigger Traxos and I believe it was in that Traxos deck. To make many non-legendary versions of Traxos to beat down my opponents. This is Helm of the Host, a legendary artifact equipment for four mana. And it reads at the beginning of combat on your turn, create a token that's a copy of equipped creature. Except the token isn't legendary if equipped creature is legendary. That token gains haste and then you equip it for five mana. There are no other words after that. The token stays on the battlefield and continues to fight another day. Every turn, a new twin joins the crew and keeps the fight going. The Helm of the Hoses, a, a beautiful card. I feel like it was made for me just for zany hijinks. Uh, just to attach it to really any legendary you like. I think it goes in every commander deck that I build um, just just for the fun of it. You never know what's what's going to land in your lap in, in a commander game. Who doesn't want 10 of the same card?
0: I never cut this from a Dominary limited deck. And I drafted it a lot. And I put it in a lot of decks where you had no business playing a four mana artifact that does nothing. And a five mana to equip it. it I mean, <laughs> this card is like so my style. It's slow <laughs> and clunky and bad, but... If your Uh opponent somehow doesn't have an answer to an artifact in a set full of artifacts, you win the game. It's true. It's true. Especially if you've got anything that's... I mean, you're not going to be
2: putting this on on any of your sacralings in in (laughs) Dominaria.
1: Uh, (laughs) You're you're putting it on everything else. So this is one of those cards that I just always assumed it was a limited powerhouse. And so I'm always shocked when I see the price of it in paper. Because I'm like, how is this limited card? Like, it wasn't even playing standard. Like, no one plays it in modern. No, it's an EDH card. And it turns out there's a lot of fine combos Mm -hmm. in EDH that use Helm of the Host. So if you like infinite Mm -hmm. combat steps, Helm of the Host is your bro. Might as well be the King's Crown. Yeah, exactly. Why not? Do you have any memorable Helm of the Host equipped? I think I might have put it on Traxos once, actually. That was pretty fun.
2: I put it on Traxos constantly in my deck, in my standard deck.
1: <laughs> well, this is limited. Yeah, but
0: I... but for limited, hold on, let me let me look up some dominaria uh, rares here quick. <laughs> uh, my favorite was the classic. I would play it on Coldwater Snapper, the four or five hexproof. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh you're not yeah. gonna lose
0: a lot of games at that yep. point.
2: Yeah, so I've I've thrown this guy onto uh, goblin chain whirler before. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> Oh, Made a right. bunch of three threes that were
1: digging everything for one and <laughs> <laughs>
2: good
1: luck getting through <laughs> that. Work. That's amazing. So we talked about a lot of combinations. Is there a fair magic card we're gonna talk about in your signature spell book?
2: Yeah, so I think so. Uh <laughs> the the next one that we're gonna be talking about is actually my my main commander. I played it yesterday. It's a pretty fair deck, actually. But this is Kestia the Cultivator for her 1 and Bant Bana. so green, white, blue. It is a legendary enchantment creature. It's a nymph. It is a 4-4. Four, four. And it has Bestow for 3 and then green, white, blue, which means that you can attach Kestia as an aura to a creature on your battlefield. And then it, uh, the usual Bestow thing, if the creature's destroyed, Kestia just falls off as a creature, correct? Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen to mm-hmm. me often. Usually things get exiled in Commander uh, when they're targeting me. Um, <laughs> the creature that Kessia is attacking gets plus four, plus four. Sorry, attached to you, not attacking. And then whenever an enchanted creature or an enchantment creature you control attacks, you draw a card. So really, <laughs> Kessia is just, uh, just hanging out on my creatures and drawing me cards. Really just making the, the deck churn through my my hundred cards.
0: So we here at the Memory Jar are just in love with Bestow as a mechanic. Good. We both have very fond memories of Theros, and I can't think about Bestow without thinking of, you know, Boonsater and Chromanticore and, you know, even the commons were all so playable and so interesting. Is the deck Bestow-focused or just kind of broadly doing enchantment-y things?
2: It is broadly doing enchantment-y things. And whatever good green white and blue cards i kind of want to throw into it it's sure. kind of my friendly i'm playing this game with you guys but i'm secretly gonna win tech as i okay. as i politic my way into suddenly creating a bunch of angels and mm-hmm. uh drawing a ton of cards and swinging in for lethal two hours later yeah. there you go. <laughs>
0: is this is this kind of busted after Kamigawa and neon dynasty did you get some nice additions from that set I actually
2: only put in new Capenna stuff. Uh Ooh. I put in like Broker's Ascendancy, put Fair. in the Broker's Charm. Yep. Yeah, there were uh I I put in uh is it Sparta? Whatever the, the broker's uh, demon is. Yeah. Or uh, Sparta. what yeah, Sp- no. Sparta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sparta. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah, yeah. It, it's mainly just a, a good stuff deck. Okay. It does okay. good things. It, it's not too hyper synerg- synergistic. Uh, that's more for my vehicles deck <laughs> that uh, <laughs> okay. that I built after Kamikawa. <laughs> that was that was my main focus. We're making cars go vroom, and we're building mechs, and we're we're
1: swinging in with them. So nice. Can I can I make a recommendation for your deck with, with um, Kesia? So yep. you need to go back and put in Weaver of Harmony. Mm. What, is, yeah. what does Weaver of Harmony do? It's one to green for a 2 2 Snake Druid. Um, it's an enchantment creature. Yes. Other enchantment creatures you control get plus one plus one. But here's the more important part green to tap, copy target activated or triggered ability you control from an enchantment source, you may choose new targets for the copy. Yeah, that's real good. That's real okay. good. Yeah. That yeah. draws you a lot it's of going cards. in. Yes. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't recommend it if it wasn't doubling Kestia. That's. That's insane. I actually misread her. I thought it was only enchanted creatures. And oh, I was like, no. this seems fair. No, no, no. Enchantment creatures yep. too? Yeah, it's busted. Everything. Everything. That's... Everything.
0: Yeah, I'm just thinking about some of those those sagas from uh, Neon Dynasty when I say that like uh you know jugan defends oh. the temple or whatever that makes the the dragon yeah. seems like okay, all my stuff is getting big and I'm getting in with my little flyer.
1: Seems good.
0: A lot of options. So this is only the 12th most popular Bant Commander, according to EDHREC. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised yeah. that Arcades the Strategist was first. I mean, we we love our butts here, but, uh, mm. you know, the Walls deck being the most popular. I mean, I, I've had a Rune of the Hidden Realm deck since I started playing Commander, and that's down to number six now.
1: Oh, wow. I, I thought it would have been Chulain, because Chulain is just... Chulain is
0: two. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just the best Bant... Uh, it is the best band commander. It's also very boring. Everyone's got their walls it, up after yeah. after COVID, though, so that's why that's you got to go yeah. for. Yeah. That's true. I so I, I misspoke. I didn't look at the actual ranking. I thought Rafik had been buried, but Rafik is higher than Kestia. I stand corrected. But that was the original band commander.
0: I mean, I'm like, I guess unless you want to go back to like Angus Mackenzie.
1: No, no one played Angus, Angus McKenzie until EDH was a thing. Oh, okay, People well, forgot. I guess if you want to talk about the original Bant
0: Commander then, if you're going to be technical Christian, then it was Arcady Sabath.
1: Well, okay. Back when
0: you had to play an Elder Dragon as your commander.
1: Fair.
2: Would you put Jasmine Boreal in your Pant
0: deck? Yeah, absolutely. As long as it's a uh, Legend version. In my Muraganda Petroglyphs deck, you know <laughs> Jasmine Boreal's going in there.
1: No, no, She goes in any, any old Border Commander, she goes in. She's part of it. Has to be the Legends that- version, though. That's fair. I I will tell you, it was hard to
0: come up with that first hundred cards for my old border commander deck. And yeah. uh green was not one of the colors, so she didn't make the cut, but I could see it.
2: My uh my number eight card is uh my my very first previewed card. And uh yeah, so so this is from this is from Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. It is Risona Asari Commander. Uh, everyone will recognize this as the card that you probably never played uh, in in any <laughs> deck in in Kamigawa. Uh, but it is a legendary creature, human samurai. It's a three three. Uh, it costs one and a red and a white. It has haste, and it says whenever Risona, sorry, commander, deals combat damage to a player, if it doesn't have an indestructible counter on it, put an indestructible counter on it. And then, whenever combat damage is dealt to you, res- remove an indestructible counter from Risona. I think it's a it's a pretty sweet card. Uh, I I don't know. I've never I, i've drafted it a couple times. First pack I opened during a draft for uh, for Kamigawa, so I I had to pick it. I'm like, that's mine. There you uh, go. Yeah. This represents me, and yeah, it's a it's a it's a fine card. But like I said, I don't think I ever saw anybody play it. Ever. I'm probably the only connoisseur of this card. Uh I will try to collect every version of it I can. Uh okay. because it's it's etched in in the halls of John Carson's magic history.
1: There you go. Yeah, well that's all that matters, you know. Yeah. I
0: did indeed never draft this card. Mm-hmm. I did play red white a couple of times in Neon Dynasty. Uh, but I, I didn't see this during those drafts. I saw it a lot during the drafts when I was in any other color combination, and it came around <laughs> like seventh. Uh oh, that'd but, be sweet. Uh, but yeah, was was never able to take it. Was it sweet?
2: I, I mean this is one of the cards like red and white was a, was the samurai uh samurais yeah. and warriors attack alone uh yep. archetype and Risona getting a an indestructible counter on her. It's kind of big for attacking alone. You would kind of build up your board, and let Rizona be the target of all of your triggers, and just swing in and not have any consequences, which is which is pretty yeah. awesome. I mean, everyone else was pretty much drafting ninjas and uh, every enchantment thing that they could find, and I just never really saw much in the way of of samurai uh, in in limited, at least yeah. in my experience. So. Yeah.
0: No, the few times I drafted Red White, I never actually played Samurai. It was always, like, a million two drops and the Trumpet Blast, the card that gives all your creatures plus two, plus zero. Or, like, I remember having a deck with Ao the Dawn Sky, the mythic dragon, that I would play with the goal of immediately killing to give all of my creatures plus two, plus (laughs) zero. I think she'd go well in some
2: sort of encounters, matters like Commander deck. I don't think she'd be a great Commander herself. No. Uh, but she could create a bunch of indestructible counters and let like the ozolith distribute yeah. those around. <laughs> would it be whenever a creature leaves the battlefield or or dies, uh, for the ozolith to collect those counters?
1: Let's yeah. check it out. I did not spell it correctly. I spelled it Oozolith. It should be the Oozolith, actually.
0: Yeah. It if be. it was just for Oozes, I would be more like. Uh, be... <laughs> <more.
1: laughs> no, it's just leaves the battlefield.
2: Okay. Yeah. So I mean, oh, okay. you. you you Ooh. bounce her a few times. Uh, you have like a teleportation circle, and then you're just okay. handing out indestructible counters every turn. Yeah,
0: I really like the concept of the card. I'm always a big fan of a three mana three three in basically any form, and giving it haste and potentially indestructible is cool. I really like cards that just encourage the action, and this really just wants you to attack, and then you know wants you theoretically to be able to block because the problem is she's just not good on blocks. Even if she has an indestructible counter, if you block something. That would do lethal damage to her, and anything else gets through, she'll have lethal damage on her. The indestructible counter gets removed, and then she just dies. And so this is all about like get in there, get in there, get in there as much as possible. Alright, so that is our signature spellbook for John Carson. I'll do a quick recap here. The cards are Gustwalker, Approach of the Second Sun, and Regal Caracol, all from Amonket, Karn Scion of Urza, traxos Scourge of Krug, and Helm of the Host from Dominaria, Kestia the Cultivator and Resona Asari Commander. A pretty cool collection of cards and all cards that uh, I think, as we talked about, we've had pretty good experience playing. And I want to see this Kestia deck in action. Oh, you will.
2: Uh, you will feel its wrath, yeah. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and you won't, you won't see it coming.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, if you tell me I won't see it coming, won't I see it coming? I'm not sure how this works.
2: I mean, yeah. Now, now I've got you thinking about the loop a little bit too much.
0: All right. Well, before we go... A couple things I want to mention this week. One is, hey, stay safe, people. I don't know where mm-hmm. about where you're at, but our local COVID rate over the last seven days is just where it was after Thanksgiving when people saw their families. So that's a pretty serious situation. It's great to have in-person playback, but as much as I hate to say it, the pandemic is not over. And I've talked to a number of people in recent weeks who have avoided COVID the entire time and have now gotten it just in, in these last couple of weeks or last month. So consider if you're going to your LGS, maybe wearing a mask for everyone's sake, just protect yourself and your fellow gamers.
1: Um, the only thing I'll say about this is, A, Labyrinth Games and Puzzles, love them to death. They've always required masks since they've revoked. revoked. Nice. So good on the owner, Kathleen, for requiring that. It makes you feel very safe to be in there. And uh, I don't know what our statistics are in the District of Columbia because they stopped publishing them. So... It's probably bad, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, if you're in the Washington, D.C. area and possibly Virginia, don't go to public events for a while.
2: Um, one thing I'll say is uh, if, if you do go somewhere and you are wearing a mask and you're seeing a lot of people without masks, feel comfortable to keep your mask on. Uh, don't, yeah. don't worry about the peer pressure of the situation. If, if someone tells you that you don't need to wear your mask, it, but you feel comfortable wearing it, keep doing that
1: last night we uh natalie picked up food from podcast favorite trustees Woo. um for dinner and uh she was alone wearing a mask inside so that was a great feeling she was like oh sweet you know i guess we've all stopped wearing masks
0: or if you don't want to go outside just consider staying inside and maybe checking out explorer on arena i don't know if you guys have played any of this but i've really enjoyed the format so far i've been playing a combination of the like grease fang return vehicles from your graveyard deck and yeah. uh arc Light phoenix deck that isn't very good but i love and then mono red and they've all just been like really fun
2: yeah i've been uh jamming on uh winota deck <laughs> uh oh, r.i.p surprise winota Wait, did, did they ban her
1: this
0: week like what she, she is banned in ban explorer yeah, yeah they're gonna now, ban- she, I miss that news yeah she's banned an Explorer. if they eventually get to pioneer before she's banned in pioneer she will come back but i think she's gonna ban in to pioneer too. got
2: yeah. it yeah she's uh, dumb. Uh, yeah uh otherwise uh i guess i'll just have to rely on my not at all broken esper control deck um okay <laughs> that, that i've been playing okay. as well so. have
0: you considered cats
2: mm, i you know what uh maybe cats and dogs uh, because Ooh. there's Ren and Siri. Uh, there's yeah. that that new legend from New Capenna that makes mm-hmm. cats and dogs for any token that drops on the battlefield. Uh, what GDF. I want to make though, yeah, that's it. Uh, what I want to make is uh, going back to Venom Connoisseur. Earlier, um, I want to make uh, a fin a fin deck mm-hmm. with uh, uh cabaret charms and yeah. uh, just make a bunch of death touchers and infect my my opponents because. I never got to live through the infect decks, so I might as well put that scourge on other people.
0: I have a phenomenal, phenomenal fin list I've I've worked on over time that I will send to you.
2: Thank you. That would be amazing.
0: And one more thing, we're gonna before we go a lot today. Wizards announced that new sets, instead of theme boosters, which I never saw anyone buy and I can't imagine sold very well, new sets are going to come with new jumpstart packs. So you can grab two of them, shuffle them together, and play. I think this change rules. I have a little jumpstart box with a bunch of different decks to shuffle together. How do you guys feel about jumpstart coming with every set? Uh,
2: I I really like it. It's something that I wish existed when I started. Um, being a being a newer Magic player, it's, it's hard to jump in. It's hard to learn a limited format uh, for the first time. There's a lot of pressure with that. There's not only the social pressures of having to play against people who have been playing this game for for forever, but like building your own deck and learning the rules. And I love jumpstart just for like I can take two of these booster packs, give it to a friend and tell them to shuffle it together and I'll teach him how to play magic. Yeah. There's nothing better than that.
1: You've said it incredibly well. I started before Portal was a thing. I remember when Portal came out and it was kind of like a revolutionary idea. And it's funny how this is such a popular game, but they've never gotten the beginner product done well. And Jumpstart is the best set they've done in the past four years, in my opinion. So I'm glad that they're just transitioning to Jumpstart for all the reasons you said, John.
2: Well, it's either that, or you tell someone to buy a commander deck, and then they have to deal with learning all the ins and outs of all those triggers and interactions. And that's kind of how I, how we've been teaching my friends recently with our, our very, very young commander group. Uh, I'd say very young as in we've only been playing commander together for like a month. So yeah. there's three guys who are brand new to magic and we're trying to show them the ropes with uh, existing commander decks. And yeah, it's, it's tricky and it takes a, a long time to to get all the, the rules interactions and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm so happy that Jumpstart's coming back uh, for every every set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that correct? That's what they're saying.
0: That's, that's yeah. great. Yeah. As somebody who is, has been teaching my kids to play Magic, my oldest is 10. It's been perfect for that. Um, yeah. And the games are a little different every time, so it has that limited feel to it. All right. Well, thanks you for joining us today, listeners. And thank you, John, for joining us today. You can find mm-hmm. us on Twitter at our handle at MTG. We would love your feedback, and please tell us what cards you want to remember. John, where on the internet can people find you?
2: Yeah, uh, you can find my my writing at uh, GameInformer.com. Uh, if you subscribe for the magazine, you can read my writing in there as well. Um, you can find me at on Twitter at john underscore carson, and uh, I do a weekly video game podcast with uh, for Game Informer, where we dive into the gameographies of uh, different game franchises so it's called video gameography every week we go down or we we take an entire series and we go game by game in that specific series so right now we are going through the catalog of a studio called supergiant games who made bastion transistor pyre and hades and then we're going to be starting our next series in a couple of weeks here but yeah usually it's one franchise and not like four disparate games like the supergiant series is but We've covered Halo, Uncharted, Bioshock, Metroid in the past, and uh, we're going to keep hitting the biggest games in the industry and learn a little bit about the development and the narrative of the games. And Yeah, that's every Saturday. Uh, Check that out on whatever podcast app that you listen to. That
0: is awesome. We'll put links to all of those things in the show notes.
1: If you ever get to the Unreal series, I would listen to that in a heartbeat. I loved Unreal Tournament when I was a kid, so I'd love to learn more about the I might hit you up
2: for... For one of those episodes if if you'd want to come on so okay
1: again special thanks to chris yates for the logo we greatly appreciate it you can find chris on twitter at at cmy company that's company with a k and until next time think about what cards will be in your secret layer or your signature spell book and tweet it at us we'd love to hear about it and we'll see you after we grill some hot dogs over this memorial day weekend have a great weekend y'all